You're listening to the Boots About Business podcast. We share stories from military veterans that have transitioned to the world of business. On the show, you'll hear conversations with business leaders, executives, and entrepreneurs that all started their careers wearing boots in the service of the U.S. Armed Forces. This podcast is equal parts about sharing great stories, helping veterans, helping businesses, and fostering a greater understanding of the value veterans can bring to business. everybody to episode number 27 of the Boots About Business podcast. I am your host, Frank Strong, and here with us today is Michael Winters. He's an Army veteran serving on active duty and later joined the Army National Guard in a full-time capacity. Spent 23 years there. We'll get into that on the show. When he left, he started his own landscaping company. It's called 30 Seasons LLC. Now, something you should know is Mike and I served together, and I just want to set that up a bit because he was one of those NCOs that you really wanted on your side. Always a great advice, exceptional work ethic. And frankly, I just like the guy. I liked working with him. And I'm excited to have him on the show. I think you're going to get a lot out of it. We spent a lot of time talking to people with office-type jobs, sales, marketing, finance, and business operations. And I thought it would be super valuable to have somebody that's working with their hands and took a risk and started their own business and is, by all accounts, highly successful with it. So, Michael Winters, welcome to the show, sir. Thanks, Frank. Yeah, glad to have you. First question, same question I always ask everybody, why did you join the service? What caused you to join the Army? Basically, I was just trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. I was unsure. I didn't, you know, I wasn't on my way to college, anything like that. So I walked into the recruiter's office and the Army was the first door on the left. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of luck. And we, we were chatting before the show too. You had some influences. You were mentioning um, sort of a, a figure that you looked up to as a young kid in the Boy Scouts. I did have a leader in the Boy Scouts when I was younger who just really was larger than life, really capable of anything. Nothing scared him. He didn't require a lot of really anything. He could just fall asleep anywhere. He was tough. And I looked up to him a lot as a very young kid, sixth grader, and was like, man, I really want to be like this guy. So it kind of set the stage for that thought process as far as the military. Yeah, certainly falling asleep anywhere is a military superpower. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, where did you go? What did you do? You joined the Army. What was kind of like the cliff note version? Briefly, what, where did you go and what was your job? I uh, spent most of my time in forward support, started out life in 2nd in- Infantry Division over in Korea, wound up ending my active duty career, 3rd Special Forces Group down at Fort Bragg. We lived down there for a couple of years. I worked there as a support capacity, learned a lot about that. And it kind of set the stage for my career in the Guard. Once I got out of active duty, I moved into the Guard. And then, you know, multiple deployments after 9-11, shipped gears out of the civilian world and became a full-time military technician. And then on into 175 Infantry out of Baltimore, Maryland, where I deployed and worked in and around that battalion for maybe 10 years or so. Yeah. And that's where you and I cross paths. Mm-hmm. Um so you mentioned the technician thing, right? So you join the guard, you're a reserve component soldier. What is the, where, how does the technician deal fit in? Correct. So I didn't know that the guard, all, all states, all national guard states actually have a full-time group of people that are employed to maintain equipment and weapon systems and you know, computers throughout the week as a full-time job. I didn't know that. I just thought that it was all done on the weekends. You know, I, I was young. I didn't know. And I, at the time, right. I was working as a tower climber. And I was looking for another job because I was traveling a lot. And a friend of mine, one of my NCOs, was like, you need to apply for this job. You know, it's, it's you work on military equipment. You're a good mechanic. 
you know, you're home all the time. It's four 10 hour days. It all sounded great to me. I was like, man, I didn't know this existed. I didn't know that the guard had a full-time technician force that maintained all this equipment. So I did found out as a dual status position and wound up making a career out of it. So because you were a guard soldier, you were able to apply for this technician role and you guys adhere to the UCMJ and you wear a uniform. That's correct. You basically have you basically have two jobs wearing the same uniform. You're part-time soldier with your platoon, and then full-time during the week, you're maintaining equipment for the guard. That's correct, yeah. Okay, yeah, I, I just say that because it's a little PSA for people coming off active duty. The guard is a weird animal, but there's all kinds of opportunities. There's a part-time deal. There's the technician deal that you had, which is basically being active duty. And then they have this thing called AGR, Active Guard Reserve, which is actually Title 10. It's just like active duty, except you're assigned to a state. So it's kind of like a little PSA for people listening. Did you go anywhere, anywhere special, like, you know, top one or two places that uh, you got a free trip from the army? <laughs> been all over the place, Germany, the Dominican Republic. You know, I mentioned Korea before. I did go to Iraq with the 175, you know, 07, 08, the surge. I yeah. learned probably in that single year, I learned more than any other year in my military career because it was watching all the pieces come together. And, you know, we ran the roads. I was a recovery operator, shop foreman down there. Learned a lot about leadership, learned a lot about the army and really how everything comes together when you go to fight a conflict. There's that. And then in Egypt, when I deployed to Egypt, I you know, moved up, did some operations stuff, worked in a talk and got to see a lot of how the upper echelon leadership from, you know, in a battalion capacity works and how all that stuff trickles down. Something that was new to me. Taught me a lot about right. leadership, taught me a lot about communication, learned a lot. Yeah, it's basically the, the Cliff Notes version of the deployments. And came home and spent a lot of time as a platoon sergeant learning and training guys, which is my favorite thing to do. Yeah, for sure. So I ask everybody these questions, too, about your worst day and best day. And I, I usually ask the worst day first so that we can end on a high note. But let me ask you, the, the military is, you know, 23 years. You've got a lot of highs. You've got a lot of lows. What was your worst day in uniform? Obviously, anytime you lose somebody, but I think the worst experience I had was having to stand guard over a soldier who had been killed in combat, brought back to the States, and we do the 24-hour guard thing until he's buried. But having to stand guard with him, with his girlfriend and young child there, they didn't leave his side. It was a lot to handle, and it, you know, the cost of war, it's really kind of punches you in the face right then yeah when you see that it was pretty tough it was definitely the toughest thing one of the toughest things i've ever had to do in the military hands down yeah i can't imagine i don't know if i could keep it together watching the the family there especially the the young kids so thank you for doing that let's there's also a lot of good days in the service what was your oh best yeah day? so many i can't really i don't know i can't really pinpoint it but it's any day we did like really relevant, good training that people really enjoyed. Any of those days, there have been so many of them, especially in the 175. It just puts me on this like kind of like high, like feel good. You know, I like to train. I like to run around the woods. I like to train with people that are motivated. There was a lot of that in that unit for a long time. So any of those days, really, just pick one. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, for sure. I had a lot of fun in the military, primarily in serving with the infantry guys, infantry units. And uh, yeah, super happy about that. You, you keep bringing up the 175. I feel obligated to explain to people what that is. That is the unit that both Michael and I served together in. It is, you know, the, the only infantry battalion in Maryland. They used to have several. They consolidated them under some restructuring. 
But it's a high-speed infantry unit. They get a lot of deployments. Um, the officers and NCO Corps, you know, they've all got three, four, five. Some of these dudes had six deployments under their belt. Very experienced. So they go a lot of places, but they also do a lot of, you know, the Guard has an obligation to the state, so they do a lot of emergency response. Some of those guys went down to uh, Katrina, for example, when that happened. If you were watching television for the inauguration, a lot of, you know, the 175 is one of the battalions down there, right? The battalion commander was, you know, on television all the time. So just kind of wanted to give a little context for people to understand what this 175 thing is and why both Mike and I are especially enthusiastic about it. So if you're getting off active duty and you're looking for a unit in Maryland, 175 is one for you. I asked everybody this question too. There's a lot of like life lessons in the army. What do you think the service taught you? The very first thing it taught me was discipline. I was all over the map when I was a teenager. Really needed the discipline. The army provided that immediately. You know, just kind of like an ADD, you know, troubled kid, whatever. And when I got into the army, I kind of found like my niche, and I was able to channel that crazy, like brain all over the place kind of thing into compartmentalizing jobs and then triaging what jobs are important, which has really helped me especially with trying to run a business. I mean, that drinking from a fire hose, putting out fires, doing 15, 20 different things at once is just learning that is gold. If you can master that, you can master just about anything. So that, the other thing is the army teaches you really early on that there's no such thing as can't. Yeah. You can't do this. You can't do that. Nobody likes to hear that. I don't let my kids say that. It bothers me when I hear my kids say, well, I can't do that. Everything with the army is, oh, well, you can. Yeah, you can. You can do this. Right. So that really helped me. But, and then, you know, organization, the army's very organized. You can't run a business and not be organized. It's simply not going to work. You're just not, you may be successful, but you won't be as successful as you potentially could be without really strong organization. Um, yeah. Lastly, skill set. I have a broad skill set, and that came from the army. I'm not just a mechanic, there's a million different things I can do. And, and I learned all that stuff in the military. So, Sense. I definitely underscore that. I love your comment about you can versus you can't because you are always one of those guys that you can. Sometimes you ask people for help or, you, hey, you think we can get this done? Like, oh, no, there's a thousand reasons why we can't do it. And you're always like, yeah, we'll find a way to do that. All right. That sounds good. Let's talk about the transition. How and why did you leave the service? What was your plan? So I started getting frustrated with some things. I didn't want to be that, you know, that bitter NCO that we all know. Everybody knows that guy. And I was still in really good shape, still knocking out you know, high scores on PT tests. I just wanted to leave on the high note. And I just thought it was my time. I mean, uh, you know, I'd been in you know, 23 years, you know, four deployments, multiple. I think it was, I was ready to be a civilian. So as far as a transition perspective, I had to figure out what I wanted to do, what I liked to do, and then how I was going to do it. I knew I wanted to be outside. I spent a lot of time riding a desk the last couple of uh, years in in my military service. And so I was like, I want to be outside working with my hands, doing stuff. What's that look like for me? It looks like digging holes and landscape work. I love that stuff. So that's what, you know, kind of goes hand in hand with the the military anyway. But uh, so that's what we did. I think if when you leave service, you have some sort of overlap, whether you go to school and you grind at night, burning the midnight oil, getting your assignments knocked out, or if you're out in the shop working on equipment, trying to keep stuff running you know, when you're starting a business and I was the latter. So that's what I did. Yeah. What was your biggest fear about opening up a business, right? You had no business experience. You spent 20. I had zero. Yeah. You 23 years wearing a uniform and then uh, you have this idea. So what did it take? What, what did you need to find out? What were you afraid of? Or maybe you weren't afraid of anything. 
I was nervous because, but, you know, we risk mitigate as leaders, right? So for me, the risk mitigation was the overlap. You know, the business model, we had a three-year plan. We were going to, we worked in the evenings and on the weekends. The plan was to do it for three years and build up a clientele to where we were making enough money that we knew leaving full-time military service and my business partner leaving his full-time job that we could make ends meet doing this full-time. We ended up doing it in two. So we ended up doing it quicker, which worked out really well for me and him. Some of my fears were, can I do this? Is this going to just fall apart in my lap? Yeah. Or are we going to, do I, am I capable of doing this really? Because, you know, in the military, you always have somebody you can ask questions. You always have that next tier leader. Right. Or your peers, or people you trust, you know, that you can say, hey, am I doing this right? Can I get some guidance? You know, we counsel leaders, counsel soldiers, and you just kind of bounce stuff and war game stuff back and forth off your peers and leaders that you trust or respect and, or even, you know, subordinate soldiers that work in different capacities. And that's really quickly just to mention that that's one of the positives about the guard is you got so many guys working in these different capacities as civilians. It kind of makes them better soldiers, better rounded. They have more life experience than most of your younger active duty guys. But so fears was, can I do this? Is this going right. to come to fruition? And it did. I think if you put enough effort into something and you do enough research on it and you make the correct decisions, you'll be successful, especially if you're, you know, you spend any time in the military because failure is really not an option in the military, you know? Right. But you put the hours in, You so you were still in the service doing your full-time job and then nights and weekends you were pushing mowers or whatever you had to do to, to get your client base up and running. Yeah. So one of the things I learned in the military was this insane work ethic. And I've had a really hard time finding that in the civilian world. My business partner is probably the only civ- like true civilian I've come up with that we work the same, the same pace, the same level. I'm thankful for that. The army taught me that, you know, no sleep, keep working, all that stuff. That's what's required in order to get a business off the ground or get a college degree or whatever it is you're going to do, you know, down right. the line after service. So yeah, we, uh, we started out with nothing. I had a truck, a trailer. We bought a couple of old beat up walk behinds and got them going. We took every single penny we made in the business and we put it in a bank account. We didn't touch any of that money until we started doing this full time. All that money that we made went into a bank account and we rolled it all right back into the business. We upgraded equipment. You know, we got zero turns and we grew it. Is You have to grow a business. You can't just make five bucks, take five bucks. All of that stuff has to go into that business when you're starting it, all of it. Therefore, you have to have that overlap. Yeah. That's why that overlap is so important. Yeah, it's kind of funny you mentioned the equipment because you put some equipment up for sale on Facebook. Yeah, I did. Because you're upgrading equipment, right? You're getting rid of the old stuff and buying new stuff, but you got a lot of inquiries about people saying, hey, is your business okay? (laughs) Yeah. No, we uh, we recently bought a, a whole bunch of new equipment. You have to keep that stuff in rotation. You know, we're not lawnmower repairman that's not what we do we're we do landscape work so when equipment starts to right. age you have to make a decision our decision is you know a thousand hours when the equipment hits a thousand hours we replace it we don't have time for downtime we get really really busy in the spring everybody wants everything and they all want it right now we don't have time yeah. to get wrenching on stuff we spent an inordinate amount of time repairing broken equipment when we first started out because we started out with used old equipment but that's just the way it is you don't you have to work your way up just like anything else. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. What do you think the hardest thing was about opening a business? I'm really lucky. The hardest thing for me was translation of communication to the civilian world. I kind of struggle with that. I'm, I'm a really direct kind of blunt guy. That stuff doesn't really 
it's really hard to back that off. You have to learn how to, you have to really relearn how to communicate with people. There's a lot of sales involved in what we do. You know, people call us, we, we walk a yard with them, you know, give them an estimate, have conversations with people. I mean, luckily my business partner is a master at that. He's been in sales. He's dealt with people for a long, long, long time. And I'm on the kind of the other end of it. I'm more on the equipment side of the house. I've spent a, my whole life working on things and, th- and that's really helped us out as far as, you know, keeping stuff running, making smart decisions with yeah. equipment purchases and what we're going to do. So he's been a huge part of this. I would recommend if you're going into business, definitely have a partner. You can't do it all. There's just not enough time in the day. I mean, we... Uh, yeah, he's your, yeah, I guess say he's your ranger buddy. You guys compliment each other. You're looking out for each other and... Absolutely. Yeah, you have to, it's really, and you have to go into business with somebody that you really trust. I mean, it's very invasive all the way down to your, your personal finances. I mean, right. um, you don't want somebody making a poor decision. And also like, like the military, when you're tired and you're in the middle of the suck, you know, when it's, you know, a hundred degrees outside and we got 30 yards of mulch to run in one day on a commercial account. I mean, you know, me by myself, you know, you're just going to, your mental's going to get to you. But if you got somebody right beside you, who's like up in it too, it somehow you motivate yeah. each other. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. The things obviously seem to be going pretty good now. You've got people working for you. You've got a team. No, it's we talked about that. We were the question was how big do we want to grow this, and the answer is we don't. We want okay. to stay small and personal. We have a core group of clients that we service yearly, and that changes some. But we have a really good name, and we just want to keep it personal. It, everything stops with myself and my business partner, Will. Everything. If there's a problem, they call yeah. us directly. And the clients we work for, I think, like that personal relationship. When you introduce employees, that's a whole different thing. And now you become a manager. You're no longer doing the work. Now you're managing yeah. it. So that goes back to, well, what do I want to do? Do I want to manage people or do I want to dig holes? The answer is I want to dig yeah. holes and, and take trees down. Now, yeah. now, can I do this the rest of my life? Well, I'm 43 years old. The answer is no. So we're taking a look now at as we build this business and build this up, what are we going to do as we age? And, and for us, it's probably going to be you know real estate investment or something like that. I mean, you can't climb trees when you're 80. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. You know, because in the army, they give you soldiers, right? They're like, here's your people. You know, they fill the billet. But when you're in business and you got to make a hiring decision, you're hiring people that will affect your business. It's definitely a difference. But let me ask you this question. You've got a couple of years of experience under your belt. Things are going pretty good. If you could go back in time, and tell your former self, still working in the army, thinking about opening a business, what thing, what would it be? What would you go back and tell yourself? What do you know now that you wish you knew then? I would tell myself to do it sooner. Really? Yeah. I loved my time in the army. One of the things that I really like about owning my own business is the ability to manage my own time efficiently and not really have anybody essentially managing it for me. So what owning my own business has brought me the takeaway from it is it's brought me more personal time. It's also brought me more money and lots more satisfaction. It's really, really enhanced my life. Not that the army didn't, it's just that it's different. You know, the stuff that the takeaways I took from the army versus, so don't be afraid of it. If you've had a full military career, you are a capable, competent person. Whether you think it or not, you're going to be able to accomplish it. Find what you like to do and do it. If that's what you want to do when you get out of the military, don't be afraid of it. I was terrified of it because I always had somebody there to catch me when I fell when I was in the military. Right. You run your own business. You don't have that. We make what we work. There's no sick days in this business. 
in the military there is, but do it, do it sooner than later. It's funny because a lot of times the hard things that we do in the service, people will say, well, it's 90% mental. It's mental. You just got to decide that you're going to do it and you get it done. And business really isn't any different. No. It's it's like 90%, you know, mental. You just got to make that leap and say, you're going to do that. If somebody is listening to the show, you know, like a veteran's thinking about getting out of the service and starting a business, whether it's like any kind of trade, what advice would you have for them? Like, where should they go for resources? What things should they be thinking about? I think the very first thing is, as far as opening a business, a vet opening a business, the very first thing is figure out what you like to do. Do what you like to do. Don't do something to, because it makes money or whatever. It If you're doing what you like to do, you'll be successful at it. You'll make money. Bottom line. Because you'll just, it's not work anymore. Like, I don't, I haven't watched the clock in probably two years. Do what you like to do. As far as researching it, I spent a lot of time on Google. A lot of time reading from people that have started in this industry, you know, landscape industry or whatever industry it is you're trying to do. That stuff's all out there on Google. You just got to dig into it and look at it like a research project how to write bids, what does stuff cost, what's the best equipment to buy, you know, depending on whatever your direction of your business is. There's not a lot of stuff out there online to help veterans start small business. I was actually surprised. I mean, a lot of people talk about it. There's just not a lot of real helpful resources out there. There's not like a how-to book. At least I didn't come across one. I've thought about actually putting one together. But there are benefits that you get from being a veteran when you do start small business that they're not necessarily in your face do this, you have to Google that stuff and figure it out. Like for us, we opened our business in the state of West Virginia. Well, if you're a combat veteran in the state of West Virginia, all your licensing and all your startup fees are wavered through the state. You don't have to pay a dime. It's free. So yeah, just do your research, spend some time online, Googling it, you know, uninterrupted. Spend your off time. You got to live and breathe it when you're first starting it. That's what you're going to do. If you're going to start a business, that's what you're doing right now. You know, you're not watching the game on Sunday. You're online learning, figuring it all out. Yeah, I think that's amazing. You're, you're essentially self-employed. You got a partner. You've got this business. It's it's running successfully. You're, you're happy doing what you're doing. So it's really amazing. It's I think it's inspirational for other people to hear. You know, kind of the opportunities that are availability that you can't do this. If somebody is listening and has a question, is there some place that they could find you online and reach out and connect? Absolutely. You can find me at 30 Seasons Mike at Gmail. You can email me. I'll answer any questions you have. We're on Facebook. It's 30 Seasons spelled out on Facebook. You can send me a message there. That's the easiest way you can find me. I'll be happy to answer any questions that you guys have. That's great. We'll put links to those in the show notes. so People can uh, go to the bootsaboutbusiness.com site if you don't have a pen and can't write it down. You can find a way to find them. Hey, Mike, I just want to say, you know, thank you for your service. Thank you for coming on the show and sharing your experience. We appreciate it. It's been a good chat. Absolutely, Frank. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Boots About Business podcast. Please know you can subscribe to this podcast wherever you catch your podcasts. And while you are there, won't you leave us a nice review? It'll help the show and in turn help other veterans. Finally, if you know someone that's a veteran in business or is an entrepreneur with a story to share, Hit us up using the contact form on the show's website. That's bootsaboutbusiness.com. That's all one word, bootsaboutbusiness.com. Until next time, I am your host, Frank Strong, out here.